Hello and welcome to Podcast of Ideas. I'm Alistair Donald, Associate Director at Academy of Ideas and a co-convener of the Battle of Ideas Festival. We're now into the fourth official week of the lockdown in the UK, and for those of us that take an interest in the back, as well as the front pages, then the one thing we're missing is sport. Yet while there may be no football matches and sporting events have been postponed or cancelled across the board, there remains lots to discuss. So I gathered together my Academy of Ideas colleagues, Jeff Kidder and Rob Lyons, along with athlete, footballer, Durham University student and Battle of Ideas speaker Georgina Newcomb to get their thoughts on what's been happening in the world of sport. Welcome to you all. It's a slightly strange situation uh, where rather than discussing all the latest action, we're trying to make sense of the fact that there's uh, a pretty much wholesale absence of sport over the last uh, month or so. So let's just try and get a fix uh, on exactly where are, where we are at the moment. Uh, what's caught your eyes in terms of recent events or non-events? Rob, shall we go to you first? Well, obviously, it's, it's been struck by the fact that so many things are just one after the other. They try to keep the show on the road and then they get cancelled. Most impertinent in that regard is the Tokyo Olympics, which they, they held on and they held on for ages before deciding that they couldn't do it. The second thing is obviously what's going to happen in terms of football, because as a Liverpool fan, I just think, just give us the big copy thing now. But you know, they seem determined to try and string, string the idea of having keeping the season going for forever longer. Georgina, uh, what about you? What's been catching your eye over the last uh, while? Yeah, I think um, amidst the, the chaos and the uncertainty, I'm sort of trying to stay reasonably optimistic. Although it is only week four of lockdown, maybe by week six, I'll be a bit more um, pessimistic. But um, yeah, there's been quite a few nice stories coming out um, about what sports teams have been doing to, to kind of help local communities and help um, health services um, and help key workers. In Italy, obviously in the region that was most badly affected by coronavirus, um, the Atlanta team um, have been doing quite a lot to help people in their local community. So a lot of fans who got a ticket refund for the quarterfinals played behind closed doors, they ended up donating that money to um, local health services and hospitals, which amounted to about £60,000. I thought that was quite a nice story. Roma as well have been delivering food parcels and, and merchandise to the vulnerable fans and people in their area. Um, so those stories, I think, are, are quite nice. I've been trying to focus on um, focus on the positives. But I think what I'm probably most concerned about is is the landscape of, of sport once this is all over. Um, if it will be recognisable, um, I'm particularly worried about lower league teams, how they're going to survive this. Um, and women's football as well, um, whether we can come out the other side um, with a landscape that we recognise. Okay, Jeff, what about you? What's uh, been catching your eye? Well, I mean, in some ways, sport, we can go on to discuss this, but in the broader scheme of things, there is an argument that sport isn't not necessarily an irrelevance, but it's very low down the list of priorities. But I think uh, the things Georgina has said are true. I think that the whole Atalanta story of the great sporting success and the heroism of the team turning almost overnight into this terrible tragedy, just as a human story, um, is, is, uh, is a tremendously powerful one. A lot of people are not necessarily blaming Atalanta, but are saying, if only these events hadn't happened, if only various other events hadn't happened, we wouldn't be necessarily be where we are now. But I think we're in a situation that is so unprecedented uh, in, in, in recent history, the he world health powers, 
the international governments of, of, of the world or, or the ma major governments uh, are not really sure initially certainly how to respond. I don't think blaming the sporting, uh, sporting authorities uh, is a very fair way of going about it. The only glimmer of hope I saw even today um, is that the Tour de France is planned to go ahead at the end of August. And obviously at this stage, you don't know whether that will happen, but it's something to cling on to. I'm not even a great cycling fan, but if an event like that can happen, you think, well, there's some light at the end of the tunnel. And then as Rob has just said, the fact that Scottish football has finally become interesting, but for, because there's no football going on, is an irony at a time when, you know, there isn't much to smile about. Well, let's just go back then uh, a month or so and, and look at the, the start of this whole crisis, because obviously sport is not immune from the wider discussions that are going on in society. But I, th I think uh, if, you, if you go back and look at um, a month ago, Liverpool were, were playing Atletico Madrid, uh, just at the time that Madrid was uh, starting to have very con serious concerns about the effect of the virus in, in, in Spain. Cheltenham uh, Festival went ahead where a quarter of a million uh, people attended over the space of four days or so. So um, just uh, a, a lot of people have been... Uh, saying that uh, these these events shouldn't have gone ahead that it was that, that some people have directly blamed them actually uh, for the spread of the the virus in in uh, those particular areas of the country so were we slow to react and get uh, slow should we have uh, taken a different route and not had these events with hindsight it's probably better that those events didn't happen and they probably did spread things that's probably the case but you know who was to know at the time only a few weeks before that, the, the Chinese government and the World Health Organization were saying there was no human-to-human -human transmission of the disease. So the fact that a few weeks later, you expect football authorities or horse racing authorities to become expert epidemiologists and, and rule on these things, it seems, like, it seems completely unreasonable. And do you think there's been a bit of um, uh, a desire to just to find scapegoats then for uh, and sport as one of these things that as a kind of mass participation or mass spectator sport that it's it's become something of a, a scapegoat for for other things. Personally, I think that's possible. Obviously, the, it's a horrible virus which spreads through close contact of people, uh, you know, close proximity, which happens at football matches that happens at the horse racing and that may well have happened and it's tragic that that happened but I think to, to blame the sporting authorities for that seems an unreasonable thing to do. Maybe some people are scapegoating. I think on a different level there's people who are uh, would like sport and would like mass events to be organised a bit differently and we'll jump on that bandwagon and saying, well, all these people in close proximity, there's always going to be problems. But I, I don't think that's what, 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 what most people... Let's move on to, to some of the other uh, attempts to deal with this situation then. I mean, one uh, notable thing, I think, was that uh, in one of the early government press conferences, 
the health minister suggested that really one of the things that needed to be done was that players needed to get on and sort themselves out in terms of taking wage cuts. So there was a, uh, initially uh, certainly a, a desire, I think, to, uh, I suppose in line with the conversation over recent months and years uh, of looking at uh, footballers as young, selfish and, and, and greedy types to, to uh, jump on the bandwagon there and criticise them. On the other hand, we've seen players say, set up charities and attempt to to make something of the situation and help out. Initially, I think it was Matt Hancock, wasn't it, who, who said that Premier League players should be sort of volunteering to take pay cuts. No, and no, I agree with that in terms of, you know, football clubs, I think, are in a, in a position where players and executives, chairman, board members, whoever it is at the very top who's earning the most money can then perhaps afford to help out the people who aren't earning as much money and are going to be adversely affected by this crisis. You know, the, the ticket sellers, the groundsmen, the bar people, the kit washers, everybody, you know, people like that. Um, but I do think it was unfair to target Premier League players first and, and single them out. And there's something like just over 500 Premier League players in the country. And so to target that small group of people when there are so many other people who are very, very well off and can afford to help people in this crisis, and I'm sure they are doing, you know, I think it was unfair to, to just target Premier League players. Yeah, I think Matt Hancock, as far as I could see, the health secretary, he, he decided to make a point, a fairly cheap point, but in fact, he, well, he, he didn't realise what he was doing, because really the clubs and the players were having a tussle about whether they furlough, who basically pays the cost of, of this thing, whether it's the clubs or the players. And he just waded in, in effect, on the side of the clubs against the players, which isn't an, in the world of football isn't a particularly popular thing because the clubs are generally, they might not make huge profits, but they're very wealthy institutions and the players are wealthy individuals. But most people would more identify with the players. So he put his foot in it and didn't realise what, what was going on. And then the players subsequently sorted players together Thing out where they give, where, you know, where, where they raise money, you know, for the course, and so that that would would seem a positive thing to do. Whereas a lot of the clubs have been vilified for following staff during the crisis, getting the government to pay for them, um, which is not such a popular thing. So Hancock's had to extricate himself from this what he thought was making a cheap point. But in fact, he rather put his foot in it. And what do we make of a couple of clubs, uh, especially Liverpool and Tottenham, have been very much in the news as taking initial action to furlough, but then uh, backing down? Is, there, is that something positive? So I've maybe more sympathetic towards the clubs than, um, than other people are about the fact that they have all these costs um, and they're just their whole businesses has been put on ice. And how do they cope with that that situation? And they're probably not going to furlough the players, are they? So they, they but they do have a lot of you know part time and you know, sort of backroom staff that, and I don't see there's any reason why they should uh, somehow not be entitled to furlough their staff in the same way that any other business, large or small. You know, I mean they're they're very high profile, but they're not actually particularly big businesses most of their turnover they get a lot of money from tv and from um, sponsorship and all sorts of things most of that goes back out the door again so the i think the turnover of the premier league is about just under five billion but actually profits are only about 0.4 billion or something so it's not a particularly lucrative thing and 
Liverpool and Tottenham are slightly different, maybe because they are very big clubs. But the Burnleys, the Bournemouths, and whatever, even in the Premier League, you know, they work on a bit of a tightrope. And if they, uh, if their income suddenly gets hit, you know, they do have a real problem. So that's something for them to negotiate with players, negotiate with their staff, and whatever. But just jumping on football as a business and saying that this is you know, it has to do its bit and it's terrible that they're using these government schemes. Um, I just think it was just typical of the, the way in which football is used as a football. Where do you stand on this, Georgina? Was it uh, positive uh, social pressure that was brought to bear or do you think uh, the clubs had a right to do it in the first place? I think it was positive in a way um, that the fans and supporters managed to convince the club to backtrack because I guess that shows that, you know, even in the age of multi-millionaire owners and sponsorship deals and, and eye-watering wages for players that fans still do have that sway over what happens with their club. So I guess that was a positive thing. I suppose I agree with what Rob says in a way that many businesses operate on the basis that the people at the very, very top earn a hell of a lot more than the people at the very, very bottom. So I don't think it was it was very wise of, of Matt Hancock to to expect players to immediately take a pay cut when he wasn't expecting the same thing of bankers and, and, and other people that earn an awful lot of money. Unlike some Premier League football clubs, the Academy of Ideas has not furloughed its staff. We're still going throughout the strange period of isolation, working hard to keep the spirit of intellectual inquiry alive at a time when it feels like we might need it the most. But these are tough times and we need your support. If you love what we do, from podcasts to forums and salons and, of course, our annual public events like the Battle of Ideas Festival, why not join us as an associate? It's a way of showing your support for our efforts to create a public space where ideas can be contested without constraint. Membership is just £60, and if you're feeling generous, every individual donation to the Academy of Ideas will help us continue to do what we do best. Thank you for your support. Enough from me. Now back to Alistair. And something else that caught the eye this week was Jose Mourinho, the Tottenham Hotspur manager who was uh, caught out and about with one of his players conducting a fitness training session. Do you think this was a useful incident to highlight, to help remind society of its responsibilities? Or given he was uh, fairly carefully observing the social distancing rules, was he unnecessarily being made an example of? Well, as I can see, I, I think in Germany, even this week or next week, they're going back to training a lot of the Bundesliga players. And they have, being Germany, they have very strict rules about how close you can be to how many they train in groups of five and they can only be this far away and all the rest of it. But that seems perfectly sensible way of going about things. So I can't see why um, that shouldn't happen here in relation to, you know, in this instance. I mean, there's a broader thing that these rules have been brought in which are very stringent in terms of what you can and can't do. And that there's a sense that if anybody breaches them, the whole of society is going to collapse and everybody's going to behave very badly, um, which I don't think is the case. So I just think that it's like, you know, people sunbathing in parks or sitting on, sitting on park benches and things like that, which are now considered uh, uh, things you can't do in certain circumstances. And I would prefer it if there's a bit more leeway on people doing things which are which seem to me perfectly acceptable, but go against the very strict interpretation of how the 
uh, lockdown's been portrayed. And obviously, if somebody high profile, Jose Mourinho, saying he's got to behave in this particular way, we can't do that then. That's the way it's presented. But I personally, I would be more relaxed about instances like this. Yeah, I'm sort of kind of inclined to agree with Jeff there. Um, since the uh, lockdown and social distances, distancing measures have been brought in, I've constantly wondered what is the problem with two people standing 20 metres apart and booting a football to one another, um, whether they're from the same household or not. The measures altogether should be slightly more lenient in terms of what you can and, and can't do. It does seem to be, to be uh, a kind of resistance to allowing any sort of individual judgment to enter, enter into the calculations of how it is that we choose to uh, uh, behave and get out of this. But if we move on, there's been quite a lot of discussion, uh, obviously amongst uh, people who are missing their favourite sports, can't attend the match, you turn on the telly and the events or, or the match or, or the games that you thought were that were going to be on are no longer there, um, which has generated a little bit of discussion uh, in terms of, you know, how important is sport in society and how, how much we miss it. It's different to the world of work or whatever. It's also different to the arts because the arts are... You know, we go along and we vicariously take part in a, you know, a, a story that somebody else is telling us or look at a painting and feel uh, emotion. But there, there isn't a story playing out that is unpredictable, that has the drama of sport. And there isn't the allegiance to uh, a set of characters, if you like, um, a team, in the way that you would have in art. You, know, you, could, you, could, you can imagine, like, oh, I'm really... Re- rooting for the good guy in this film or whatever but to have a situation where we're all rooting for different people really very passionately not knowing what the outcome is and and these things just becoming events in themselves a champions league final or a, you know the olympics or whatever, just being events in themselves where everybody stops and watches that is i think that is a big hole in these things I and mean, we part quite apart from what they mean to communities and whatever i just think that 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 particular type of drama that exemplifies sport is a really really big miss and i know that i have this vague feeling of something being absent at about five o'clock on a saturday and i realize there's no football scores to look at it's just it's terrible that's the one that gets me actually it's just uh it, because um every day is rendered uh much more similar than it used to be then it it robs you of some of that structure of a week of where you set yourself up on a saturday to either go to or 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 to watch a match but georgina have you any thoughts on that i know what rob means about um feeling lost on a saturday i think absence certainly makes the heart grow fonder um, where football is concerned um but i think in in times like this where something is taken away the, the frog has been pulled out from under our feet quite suddenly i think um, with the loss of sport, I think we are forced to to reflect on on why it's important and what specifically it is about sport that is that is important to us and why we love it so much. Um, you know, it's not just watching twenty two people kick a football around. It's you know, like we say, the, the hype, the drama, e- even the weekly debates about VAR. You know, I never thought we'd be in a position where we're saying that we're missing those, but I suppose we are. I think as well, most importantly, it's the it's the sense of sort of like a loss of identity that you feel when sport isn't there. Because um, as you say, you know, people affiliate with, with clubs so so passionately and so closely and so um, blindly sometimes maybe. Um, but I think it is a really sort of integral part of, of our identity. You, I think you only have to look at um, the, the Netflix documentary on, on Sunderland and that I think the very first series of that opens with 
you know, Sunderland is Sunderland Football Club. That that is it. That it's it's such an important part of, of um, everyone's life in in that city, and that's the same story across the country and across the world. Um, and I think it is forcing us to to reflect on on how important it really is, and make us look forward to to a time when it will be back. Academy of Ideas. We organise intellectual debates predominantly, uh, and obviously that's very important. And you have arts, as people have said, where you have artistic excellence. And you have sport, which is physical excellence and who are the best at doing these particular things. So it's a branch of human achievement and a very important one, which many people uh, uh, look on to. And it's, you know, taking a back seat now and you can have your hour of exercise a day. You know, you get through it without being told off by somebody for doing the wrong thing. Um, and, you know, that's just, that, that's as far as it goes. And I think, I think we should begin to think, at least try to think about how we can get it back. Because all the talks about getting out of the lockdown, every, anything to do with sport or mass events or, you know, events where there's a lot of people together are like bottom of the agenda. But I think we have to begin to think how sport can be uh, brought back uh, and brought back very much as it was and not leave that as an afterthought. I'm, I'm not saying it's going to happen tomorrow or the day after tomorrow. But I think it's a discussion that, 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 should, that should be begun uh, in as much as we talk about everything else coming back too. Yeah, it does seem that the absence of sport has um, encouraged a lot of the conversations that were perhaps uh, happening even before this crisis to come to the fore. So um, taking your daily exercise now has been uh, blown up into something of importance way beyond even what it was uh, talked about before when people were worried about obesity crises. It's, it's now um, almost seems to be the way that people get their meaning every day is this constitutionally uh, dictated one hour that you manage to get out the house and, 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 and have a wander around. Um, I wondered uh, if um, things like uh, the advent of digital sports is, is uh, attracting anyone uh, because lots of people are, are, are or some people certainly are, seem to be saying that um, this is one uh, useful and valuable substitute. So uh, Inter Milan played AC Milan last night within a digital environment and, and um, there was a big audience for it apparently. Uh, Esports, um, according to some reports, uh, are up 300%. Uh, since the outbreak of this crisis. So is, is this, I mean, we at the Academy of Ideas have been shifting our uh, events online. Can sport in, in, uh, be shifted online into a kind of digital form of entertainment? Or is, is that just pie in the sky? I know a lot of people like these things, but it does nothing for me at all. Uh, I mean, I'm hoping somebody is into this and can explain it. Uh, you know, the, you know it's either, it either happens, AC Milan play into Milan, that's a game of football, Something on a computer is not AC Milan against Inter Milan. In fact, I get so worried now because they're talking now about, oh, when can football come back and social distancing is going to carry on for a long time. You almost think that the, the, these things will somehow become substitutes for real sport, which may, may, may be okay just at the moment, but you wouldn't want that to happen into the future. So uh, uh, I, I have to say those things, uh, uh, those digital things, uh, don't do anything for me, but I, I know a lot of people play them and watch them all the time. So that maybe I'm just the wrong generation. For me, while I would say, you know, as, as Terence wrote 2000 years ago, whatever, nothing that is human is alien to me. Um, 
that, like Jeff, I don't think esports will ever do anything for me. But yeah, I mean, this is a perennial discussion about what's a real sport. But I was, I was just thinking in terms of how you would you would get out of this as well go, going forward, because at least esports is, you know, you can socially distance when you, where, where are we going to see things coming back? And that's a struggle for, you know, say, maybe singles tennis or something, or golf, if they all play one at a time or something. It'll take all day, but anyway. Football, boxing, things like this, very, very difficult to see if they're going to keep up social distancing, how they can actually just play the game. Georgina, you're the playing every week but obviously not just now any signs of training recommencing or matches coming back absolutely none whatsoever sadly yeah i don't think there's there's a much danger of of esports in in any way threatening um the sort of the drama and, and the enthusiasm that people have for real live sport um there's nothing quite compares to, to playing it or to watching it um to being there when that drama's happening um but that being said, I've, I've never been more tempted to replace my blo- broken uh, games console, so <laughs> we'll see. If, if, as some people seem to be saying, we're not going to get football back, uh, not just this season, but possibly even not all of next season, then have you any handy tips for uh, dealing with this uh, period without football matches or without Olympic Games or, or whatever? I mean, every time I uh, turn on the telly on a Saturday evening just now uh, and see all these repeats of matches from uh, the 1980s or 1990s or whatever, it doesn't really do it for me. I'm looking for something a bit more. So what's out there that can satisfy the fan that's missing matches or the sports fan that's missing tournaments? I mean, I do this anyway, but I'm now clinging to the gossip columns uh, for transfers even more than usual. Not seeing much, much word on players that Liverpool might bring in, uh, sadly. Talk of one or two players leaving, which is uh, less positive. I mean, it's all nonsense. I mean, like 95% of, of stuff that goes into football gossip um, is absolute nonsense. Reliving the glory days. Um, if you're a, I think if you're a sports fan and your, your team's going through any period of difficulty or, or perhaps they've been relegated or they're not playing very well at the moment then I think every, every fan looks back to the glory days and wants to relive when they're at the top of their game so I think yeah looking back at, um, at the good old days but also I think um, taking it as an opportunity to, to harness an interest in different sports um, so myself for example I'm only 20 so if there was a, a game from the 70s or 80s on TV chances are I'm not going to know the results so maybe you can sort of try and get invested in, in games where you don't know the outcome or, or sort of try and get invested in more obscure sports that you don't know the result of. You know, I might start watching baseball or NFL. And... That's well said, Georgina. It doesn't do it for me. I mean, even that announcement about the Tour de France this morning, that was the most exciting sporting thing that's happened this month, even though I don't follow cycling, because it's a prospect of having a, you know, a major sporting event later this year, whether or not it happens. So I think that's good. There's a danger that people, almost, I don't know, maybe it won't happen, but people almost become resigned to having this, you know, computer games or something like that in this, in this dystopian future where you can't have what you really want, but you make do with a console or something as a substitute for being able to, to do, do something real. Fahrenheit 451, you know, you, you can't have the books, you just have to try and memorise them or something like that. Want to remember what it was like and you would know what you want to get back to. And I think it's important to remember that. Thanks to Jeff Kidder, Rob Lyons and Georgina Newcomb for their thoughts on the world of sport. 
If you want to find out more about what the Academy of Ideas is up to during this lockdown, then do check out our website at academyofideas.org.uk. There you can find details of a growing number of salon discussions, forums, debates and book clubs which we are moving online. I hope you can join us in some of them at least. <laughs>